This is this is the second part in our teaching on the culture of honor. We're debunking and demystifying and de-jargonifying the, the culture of honor. And uh, Nick Treadgold and myself did a conversational teaching last week, which is still available on, on this Facebook page if you want to dig into that. I'm going to remind some of that, teach into some of that for just a few minutes today. You join us this week in our Equip Week as a church, so quite a lot of us are online in a Zoom meeting discussing this. And if you'd like to be part of that on another occasion, then uh, Facebook message us and we can we can uh, invite you in. You'd be very welcome to be part of the, the, the discussion or the family time. So honour has become a thing, um, and, and we're going to teach from... I'm going to teach from a scripture. Uh, so, so the word is 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 a biblical word, and, and I want to teach from this scripture, Romans 12, 9 and ten, and and dig into some of the principles and some of the, uh, yeah, some of the some of the practices really of, of of this whole thing. So, Romans 12, 9 and ten says this: Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor outdo one another in in showing honor and about i I was trying to think now but it's probably 12 years ago which time has gone really fast i was in a i was in a meeting uh down south and um, there's maybe six seven hundred people in this meeting and and I had a, and I knew my friend Pete Carter was leading this meeting, and I had a prophetic word, so he invited me up to give this prophetic word at the end of worship, I think. And I, I started to give this word, and sitting in the front row, back who's going to speak was Bill Johnson, who leads Bethel Church in California. Some of you will know his name, and I'd never met Bill at this point, and and I knew who he was. And I started to bring this prophetic word and I just caught Bill's eye and he was looking at me in a way that I, it's very difficult to put words around, but I'd never quite experienced anything like it. It was as if he was sucking out of me everything that I had in God at that moment. And it was it was so overwhelming that it took two people, one either side of me, to keep me standing in, in the moment. And uh, I think what I'd experienced was somebody who didn't know me somebody who'd never met me actually really honoring whatever it was i was carrying and not treating me first with skepticism suspicion or checking me out and 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 i found that why was i overwhelmed i think it must have been holy spirit but it could also have just been the experience i'd given prophetic words in big meetings many times before been around senior leaders who I valued and loved and, and they loved me, but still never experienced anything quite like this. And I realized that, that this honor thing was a thing, was a powerful thing in terms of us getting the best out of one another and uh, the church flourishing so that the gifts that Jesus has put in the church and the people in the church can really get released and flourish. And so it's really worth to try and worth trying to get a definition together around this. And really, um, like so many words, it can become devalued with use and become jargon. And, and we want to move away from that. Really, fundamentally, honor means to value. And it's to, it's an inner, it's a fundamentally an inner posture of, of 
I'm switched on to value you. I'm not switched off to you. I'm not just suspicious of you. I'm not coming to you first with a critique or a caution. I'm not aloof or distance. I'm deciding to value you and, and value what God has put in you. And I want to communicate that in my words, my posture, my the, the way I listen um, and, and the way that, that I that I speak. So it, this, I mean, an example of this would be a couple of weeks ago, we've got a WhatsApp group for our healing team. And someone, often prayer requests are put in there and, and they're posted up. And someone posted up prayer for uh, a church leader that I didn't know, a reverend, I can't, can't remember his name now. And, I, and I, my first reaction when I saw it was like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. I've got a busy day, I'll move on. And just inside I thought, oh, well, that's not good. You know, I'm saying, well, he's not in our, he's not one of our movement. He's not in our family. He's not in my church. I don't know him. It doesn't deserve my even a moment for me to pray. And and there was a check in my spirit from Holy Spirit, and I went back and I prayed for this this dear brother, and I thought, oh, that's that's a lesson to learn there that that, that I want to keep valuing God's people, and I want to actually value people full stop because this is about the value that God puts on people first, and us seeing that. So. We should be actually honouring all men, not just the household of faith. Uh, and so there you go. There's a definition. It's to value. And then to have a culture of this, a culture of honour, requires, uh, I define it like this, a culture of honour is not one where everyone feels honoured. Now, it might surprise you. It's not one where everyone feels honoured, but where everyone gives honour. So I'm going to say it again. It's not one where everyone feels honoured, but where everyone gives on an app. In any community, you're probably not going to get everyone on the same page, but by everyone, I mean a majority, a significant number of people see it as their job to dispense value, uh, encouragement, to see the strength, to not bring a spirit of cynicism, criticism, aloofness, distancing, but see their job as to bring valuing, honouring, celebrating into that environment. Then you get a culture of honour, not when... Everybody's thinking, oh, this doesn't feel honouring to me. No, the, I'm going to say again, a culture of honour is not one where everyone feels honoured, but one where everyone gives honour. Now, hopefully the outcome of that, if you get enough of that going on, then more and more people will feel it. But the goal isn't to feel it. The goal is to give it. And, and, and for this, you really do need to know who you are. This comes from, a, I'm increasingly using the word, a nobility of heart. Um, if, if in, internally we feel like orphans, and Jesus said he wouldn't leave us as orphans, but he'd give us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and cries out, Abba, Father, and He's he is the spirit of sonship, and he, he wants to do a deep work in us that assures us and confirms us as sons and daughters of a great heavenly Father. He, he wants us to know we celebrate. He wants us to know we're valued deeply and profoundly by him. He's demonstrated it in uh, sending Jesus to die for us on a cross and raising him from the dead. Uh, he wants it to become the reality of our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and once that starts to happen, if you like, that tank inside of us gets increasingly satisfied by the knowledge that we're celebrated by 
an amazing, good Heavenly Father, then it, it becomes much easier to, to act nobly and dispense grace and honour to other people because we're moving from a place where we're not needing it from others, we're filled up to give it to others. Uh, and my friend Nick says this too, you know, obviously life spins its things towards us. We have difficulties, we have worries at times, we have pains, we have broken spots. And we we actually have relationships that get into tension and don't work well. And it's really important that, that we take time to work with Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit to work through our bitternesses and work through our pains to a place of peace so that we don't bring those into our other relationships so we can keep giving honor and we don't we don't become victims in relationships so we're not we're not those that are just behaving as victims we continue to be able to function as sons and daughters towards one another and that that nobility of heart and that posture of heart is something that that we can dispense and give and, and that's a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And one of the hindrances we discovered is familiarity. So some ways it's easier to honour people you don't know well. It's easier to, certainly on, easier to honour like famous Christians who you know from afar who've done amazing stuff. It's easier to celebrate them and think highly of them. The, the tougher people to honour, the people you know really well, which I think is, one of the reasons why the first mention of this in the Bible is, is uh, in the Ten Commandments where we're called to honour our father and mother so it goes well with us in the land. And they're probably, they're some of the people you're going to know best in your life for for good or ill. You know, and the parents aren't perfect and you'll, you'll have experienced both the blessings and sometimes significant difficulties in your life as a result of your parents, but it was still exhorted, commanded even, to honour our father and mother. And it's the first command with a promise that it will go well with us in hand. So we inherit our promises as we honour those who brought us into this life. And so there's this, we've got to find this ability from the Lord to celebrate and honour people according to who they are according to their identity and according to their destiny, not according to their history. So I, I know in, in, in my marriage, we have to keep saying like, cause we get on each other's nerves. You, you live with each other a long time. You start to do things and there's some things you just don't change. And it's too easy just to start slipping into talking about focusing on speaking to one another about the things we're not good at. So we keep adjusting to say, Thank you for what you're doing, speaking positive, putting that in, because that actually is honouring and starting to know and keep knowing one another according to who we really are and our identity and destiny rather than our history. And the beauty with God is that our history never disqualifies us. Um, he forgives us all our sins and he keeps forgiving them. He And sometimes we don't just sin, we just make mistakes, errors of judgment. And sometimes mistakes are made towards us. And those things all don't, none of those things cancel out his favor towards us. And none of them cancel out the way he views us. And there's a great passage for this in, in, um, in Genesis where God 
Genesis 18 relates to Abraham. Uh, and Abraham is, is chosen by God. He's not lived perfectly, but he treats him according to how God treats him, according to how he sees him and what he's called him to be. And you have this conversation goes on and he, he says, basically, we're going to tell Abraham uh, some secrets, which is about what they're going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to tell him because all the nations on the earth are going to be blessed through this guy. So he's behaving towards him because of who he is going to be and who he's made him to be. And for us, us to grow and for us to help others grow, that's really, really important. Find out what their prophetic words are. Observe their life. Look at their strengths and start to give value to the value that's in them. A phrase that we've used and then could become just jargon is call out the goal, but that requires spotting it and reminding the person and calling it out. And reminding them sometimes can mean saying, you know, that that behavior in your life is not really your best and you're better than that. I know who you are. I know what you're called to do. Uh, and, and so it's a powerful thing when we do not allow familiarity to drain us of our appreciation for one another and where where we start to use the words that, that are words are powerful and we use our words to remind one another and call one another up higher <laughs> rather than be those that critique or remind one another of the things we haven't done the reality for all of us is we're all much better remembering what we're bad at uh, we don't always need a lot of help from other people to do that and you can see this dynamic uh, in the negative happening when jesus went to his own town to Nazareth, uh, the familiarity they had with him, possibly for nearly 30 years from a baby to when his ministry started around age 30, and he was a carpenter. He, They knew his brothers, they knew his parents, then they probably knew that there was a whiff of illegitimacy about, you know, his mom was pregnant before the marriage and all this kind of thing. They, All this is in their heads in a way that it's not in the heads of other people that Jesus is ministering to. And it says that he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And he quotes to them about how a prophet isn't, is without honor in his own town. And so somehow we have to find the grace to know one another according to our identity and destiny, because that releases the supernatural power of God, there's grace of God that's in and on the people around us. Whereas familiarity, if that started to breed critique, contempt is the phrase, then actually it shuts down the gifting in the people around us. And we're not getting uh, the best. In fact, I think this is such an issue that this can be a real hindrance to the development of revival in our churches, in our nation. Because we actually really need to be able to honour the people that carry the breakthrough. And that means we've got to be able to celebrate them, even if they're not in our denomination or our movement. Or we've got to be able to celebrate people who have got different theology or different ethnic or cultural backgrounds. Or, or even maybe have, in our view, their past is a bit dodgy. But, you know, God cleans all of that up. 
and so our ability to receive the mighty things that God wants to do isn't just how well we pray and get it from heaven, but how well we can appreciate, celebrate, and receive from the people that he's doing mighty things through. And, and, and I think it's such a key to to seeing revival get released and gain and keep momentum. And, and, and I actually feel that if we... If we grew in this, uh, we could actually generate a measure of revival, if you like, because we're so celebratory of what God has put in people already and what he's doing already. So it's a powerful, a powerful thing when we get our head around this in the positive. It, it, it's also just quite destructive in the negative. So a friend of mine, Pete Carter, we have to talk about weapon, the weaponized honour but then that really means when we go into any environment, but particularly church communities, and and what we're doing is we're going in as as like thermometers, really. We're going in and we're critiquing like how honouring is this place. It's a little bit like we were talking about before, and and we start to say, oh well, you know, they don't treat it with honour. This isn't very honour, and, and suddenly it becomes a whole other thing that we use to critique, which actually tells us something. Tell us more about me and about us than about the environment we're going into if if i'm prone to doing that i i really need to stay take stock back in my own heart uh because it, it's actually quite a destructive thing when it's used as a weapon um and people particularly it's easy to judge things from a distance and not really know what's going on is it is another thing uh so to just encourage you to watch your own heart and things like that and don't weaponize this um, this concept called honour don't see it as a, a thing to use as, as a critique and I guess this is connected to some of what Nick and I got into I guess in the conversation but what we're doing is a challenge to normal culture and certainly a challenge to British culture the, the British culture has got quite a lot of tall poppy syndrome in it so by that what that means is in a field of poppies everything grows to the same height but occasionally you get one or two that grow taller and and there's a temptation for those that stick out or grow taller to cut them down to size you know who does he think he is or she is um and they're getting too big for their boots and all that kind of stuff and actually this culture this behavior this mindset cuts against that because actually we want everybody to grow tall and if you're growing taller than me i want to celebrate your height i want to thank you for it i want to say go for more rather than find reasons to pull you down to size so that i feel more comfortable because often what i'm doing in that mindset is i'm pulling you down to my size rather than wanting you to grow to your size and into the call that god has as on you so uh, that it's overcoming something in our culture that can tend to be cynical that can tend to be critical we see it in the media a huge amount you certainly see it on social media a huge amount because it, it this if this is going to be our culture if we're going to love one another and, and i believe we're to love everybody not just believers obviously especially to the household of faith Everybody deserves to be treated with respect and honour because they're made in God's image. 
then we have to train ourselves to not engage with the style of communication often we see on social media that is highly critical sometimes threatening some you know the 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 trolling that goes on can be extremely distressing to people that's when we're engaging with people in real life and on social media if we're going to be people of honor then we're going to come with a different spirit and attitude which is to build the person up even if we disagree with them disagreement is not an, a, a reason to uh to project excuse me disagreement is not a reason to start to abuse somebody disagreement actually is an opportunity to, to learn something uh, and, and you can completely disagree with someone and still express uh, honor in them even express value in them that obviously they've thought about this and this is their viewpoint uh we don't have to fight in that sense the other thing we looked at in this in terms of developing the personal relationship is obviously trying to keep away from this history and the negativeness negative aspects of history coloring our view and our, the way we interact with one another is also we need to be able to uh, bring things to people's notice we need to be able to confront we need to be able to do that and challenge otherwise this becomes plastic and unreal so you can't this isn't just honoring everybody for everything and even if they're behaving like complete jerks we to make this work we have to be able to approach someone who's driving us nuts and say you know what your behavior is driving me crazy i i, I love you i think there's so many great things in your life but this thing is personally affecting me really really badly and and I'd encourage you to go back to the chat that Nick and I did because we're very different personalities and we had to learn to do that for one another because I would, particularly I would drive him crazy, uh, and but he had to learn to have the courage to say something quick enough so that we got it sorted out. And uh, that, that, that was a good exercise in growth for both of us that, that I learned to... Uh, uh, to talk to him in a way that he could receive and he could come back to me so so great to talk to you god bless you i hope this has helped you develop your own sense of value and value for others and i'll see you again soon bye <laughs>